Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Hey everybody, Arch here, and I am talking with Rich. What's going on, Rich? Still paying the cost to be the boss. Arch, the hardest work in horse racing continues to uh, to, to squeeze as much out of 24 hours and horses as I possibly can lately. It costs to be the boss, so so I assume that uh, you know everybody at Guaranteed Tip Sheets is working all, all the time, not just you, right? All the time, yeah. We're always uh, you know doing our best to try to unlock some winners. You know, and speaking of winners, last week I don't know if you watched any of those races, but I have to say that that Vacoma winning that race was probably one of the best races I, I don't know that I've probably seen. I don't know what the uh, final numbers were on that on that horse, but. And he just went to the lead. He ran fractions. You know, we always talk about fractions and how I'm paying attention to how fast the horse is running to, to see if they're going to hold up throughout the entirety of the race. And and he just ran some fractions. And I'm like, oh, man, he's not going to be able to hold up. That, that's pretty fast. And he ran off and, you know, went to that tape tape. And uh, even at the end, he kind of had like a little strut, like, see what I'm all about. <laughs> yeah, so that was, uh, that was, I have to say, that was one of the most impressive races. And now I'm looking at the uh, the speed number from Equibase. He put up a 118, which is just incredible. So it was, uh, that was a hell of a performance. So when a horse is kicking that much ass like that, are we expecting regression the next week? Well, well, not next week, but the next, next yeah, time out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, but he ran a 116 the time before, according to Equibase. So, you know, I don't, it's not that big of a jump up. But to me, you know, just watching those fractions, um, you know, that he was running like a sprinter, you know, like if he was, you know, it would be like, you know, someone who runs a hundred yard dash is trying to maintain that pace for a mile. And, you know, that's what he did, which was just, just sick well there we go good job yeah no that was a that was an impressive run one of the most impressive runs i've seen you know what's crazy in that race is the one horse that you know you would never have thrown out um because we had in our top five picks they finished um one two three four and five not in our order of one two three four and five but, but still in one through five yeah the one horse that you would never think that you would throw out of that it was mckenzie and that's the one who ended up finishing fifth so <laughs> uh, you know like we thought warriors charge would get close to the lead but he couldn't really get in front of a coma and then he you know he just kind of tailed a little bit at the end and the other horses kind of filled in behind it so there was an opportunity to get paid there hopefully some people did yeah hopefully hopefully so so what are we looking at or actually what's this going on with you let's catch up I feel like it's been a while. You know, just just working, man. A lot of work, both around the house. The weather's been kind of warm, so I had to go plant some rose bushes in the back for the missus. She's been asking for for years, so I finally got around to it. Uh, and you know, the soil around my house at about seven inches, seven to eight inches deep. It was just rock hard, and I thought, man, I can't get through this. So I ordered some stuff from Amazon to put on the end of a drill like a auger that goes on the end of the drill. You can't use like a wireless drill. You have to use one of those like drills that goes through concrete. So I was looking, I was going, okay. so I thought, well, they have to make this blade, like this drill bit to do this particular job for, you know, for a weekend green thumbs like me. And I went to all the local hardware stores and nobody had one, but you can rent an auger for, for 55 bucks. And I was like, you know, I don't know. 
So I, or you can buy one for like 120. So I thank God for Jeff Bezos, I guess. Went to Amazon and picked one up for 25 bucks and and yeah, it worked like a charm. So I was able to plant those rose bushes, uh, uh, 10 of them across the front of my garage. And now hopefully they'll actually grow. All right, man. So let's do it. Keeneland. Is that what we're heading? You said Keen? Keeneland. Keeneland. Yes. In Lexington, Kentucky. So if you're a bourbon drinker, and your horse race fan, man, that's probably the mecca of the world right there. I really don't know the difference between bourbon and whiskey. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> yeah. you know, I haven't drank in a long time, so I, I don't have anything more to, to any more experience to, uh, to, to rely on to, to try to answer that question. Oh, man. We'll have to find somebody who does sometime. Yeah. Did you know that um, back in the days of Prohibition that actually you can get a prescription for whiskey? Yeah, no, I was reading about that. I got to do some research uh, regarding, uh, you know, le- the legalization of marijuana for uh, from an investment standpoint. And uh, I was doing some, you know, some work on prohibition because I thought there might be some correlation there. And I did not know that you could actually get a prescription for whiskey. <laughs> so, you know, much like medicinal marijuana, they had medicinal whiskey back in the day. So uh, it's something I did not know. People going to the doctor, doctor, I need a hookup. So, you know, straight shots, no chasers, man. Maybe they put it right in the IV. I don't know. I wasn't alive. Oh, man. You were. Oh, what the hell? (laughs) Actually, you're younger than I am. So I should probably lay off the old old man jokes. Yeah, we can can fire shots on. uh, I I actually have a leg up on you on this particular topic. Not many topics, Rich. Man, not on, on all topics, but horse racing. Arch has the uh, the leg up. Say so, hey, one quick thing. I, I know you guys do uh, you know some stuff on MMA. Who who does your guy like for uh, tomorrow? Or haven't you talked to him yet? Oh no, we talked. We I posted all the write ups over at absolutedegeneracy.com. You just have all to right. come. You have to make a free account. But I'll tell you which one are you looking at. Which one do you like? Which fight? I just think that that Masvidal fight. I, I forget the guy's name that he's fighting. And I've watched him fight a couple times. The last time out, he was kind of boring, but. I just think about that Masvidal fight when he just ran out and like Superman need the guy in the face in 20 <laughs> seconds and put him to sleep. That guy was a douche. Yeah. But that, I thought that was, uh, you know, to me, that's probably the most exciting 20 seconds of a fight I think I've ever seen. Yeah, that was that was crazy. Uh, but we like Usman tomorrow. He said take Usman via decision. That he's getting he got plus 175 on that bet. Plus one seventy five for no, Usman by decision. He's going to take him out because of the short uh, notice. That's what we're thinking. He, but he thinks it's going to last the full five. It's going to go to the cards. Yeah. Usman wins by decision. Well, we'll find out. I I, I think that uh, the Masvidal guy is a little bit in, a little bit. Uh, he's I, he's I think that he's he's fighter crazy. Yes. You know, he, he wants to get in there and mix it up and, uh, you know, getting hit in the face doesn't really bother him. Although when you put a knee to somebody's chin in 20 seconds and put him to sleep, <laughs> you don't get hit in the chin very often. Hopefully they go well. I think that uh, you got some big races down in, uh, like we said, Lexington, Kentucky, home of bourbon, home of bluegrass music, you know, so. Uh, Are you, you a bluegrass? A- Are you a bluegrass man? Me, you know, I like country. I, I like the more bluesy sound music. Um than country music though some country music nowadays i think is you know is kind of filling in where what i would say classical rock kind of left off and uh you know and moved into i don't know what you call it nowadays they call it alternative rock but so i, I think some you know country music has that like western uh, that bluesy sound 
Um, it's like <laughs> like the movie Blues Brothers, if you've ever seen that, when they go off to the one, uh, you know, when they fake that they're the Oak Boy Street Band or whatever yeah. they, they were. <laughs> yes. And they ask the lady, what kind of music do you play here? And she says, oh, we have both kinds, country and Western. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Classic flick if you haven't checked it out. I know you, these young kids, man, they hate all the movies I like. They, Somebody messaged me and they said they finally got around to watching The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and they didn't really care for it that much. And I was like, well, oh, no. don't listen to my podcast anymore. <laughs> because you don't agree with me, get the hell out of get here. Get the hell out of here. It's like a dad. You're like the dad of podcasts. I know who you are who didn't like it. I'm talking right to you. That's mm. right. I don't know who you are either, but I'm talking to you too. You don't have to go home, but you got to get the hell out of here. Yes. You can go just hang out of the guaranteed tip sheet. That's where you can go hang out. Only if you spend money. Don't read any of the free stuff because you might not like it from this old timer. Yeah, but I think Blues Brothers can stand the test of time because it, it's got some funny stuff in there. You know, it was filmed in Chicago, you know, so a lot of the, uh, when I was younger, the one wall that they kind of tear through. <laughs> we had we had a guy who actually tried to do that recently in, in a, one of the bigger malls out here in Schaumburg. Where he actually drove into the store. I think it was in Schaumburg. I'm not 100% sure anymore, but he, he I think it was Schaumburg. During the uh, like the beginning of like the, the, the closing down, he, he drove through and the like SUV was driving around chasing people through the corridors. Oh, boy. I hope nobody got corona because of that. Whew. No, but they got. I don't think he ran anybody over either. But well, getting getting Corona is more dangerous than getting run over by a car, Rich. Come on. Well, yeah, I don't know. They're probably about the same. You know, maybe not getting run over, but being in a car itself. Corona might be a little more dangerous at the moment because it's you know it's contagious and nobody's had it. Therefore, there's really nothing you can do to prevent yourself from getting it if you come into contact with it. But, uh, you know, down the line, it seems like the death rate's dropping. So perhaps the hospitals and the doctors and stuff are learning how to treat it. Or, you know, one of the things I heard early on, I was listening to the radio and they had an immunologist on and he said that um, viruses tend to be one of two things. They're either contagious and not deadly or deadly and not contagious in that they evolve to become less contagious over time because if they kill their host, then, you know, they, they, they die too. So, you know, and this was way back in like February when they said this. And and now you actually see the, the death rates dropping, uh, probably because, you know, rioters are the one now that are getting it. So they're younger and healthier. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think about that radio interview that I heard and, you know, you see that death curve falling down while the number of people are catching it primarily because of testing and riots likely and uh, states reopening. Um, so I think about that and it seems to be holding true that perhaps it is becoming, it's evolving to become less deadly like other coronaviruses, also known as common colds. Well, that was a hell of a sidetrack. I don't know how we went from Blues Brothers to Corona from, from Keeneland. car accidents, man, and people driving through malls and like they did in the movie. And when I was younger, where I started before I got kind of CTE sidetracked, um, we went up to that mall and they still had the tire tracks in there. Oh, hell yeah. That's cool. I would leave them. I would leave them for, forever. Yeah, I don't know if the mall's open anymore because, you know, Jeff Bezos, who sends me drills bits to my door one day later, even though it was late. So I wonder if I get a refund. Um, he's pretty much shut all those people down. 20 years from now, we'll probably look back on this as the Amazon virus. That was the moment Amazon just, just took over the entire world. 
Yeah, when you no longer have malls to drive through, either as a drugged out kid or, uh, you know, in movies. Right. They'll have to drive through on Amazon. Anymore. Well, we'll need them for zombies, right? Because you've seen the zombie movies. There's They always go into a, like an abandoned mall and they seem to be loaded up with zombies playing Pac-Man or something. Yeah, Pac-Man. Yeah. You're showing your age just a little bit right now. Well, I mean, it's probably about the intellectual level of that. <laughs> All right. Let's focus here. I am focused. Let's do it. Keeneland. What race Keeneland. are looking at? Race number seven. We'll there kick we it off there. It's the Ashland Stakes. It's grade one for three-year-old fillies, also known as female horses. And this is a Kentucky Oaks qualifier. So the Kentucky Oaks qualifier, Kentucky Oaks is run on the Friday before the Kentucky Derby, and it's essentially the, the, the girls' version. And – the 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 horse that's really leading the pack, Swiss Skydiver, has taken off this race, um, and she's actually going to run in the Bluegrass Stakes a uh, little, little later on, race number nine at, at Keeneland. She's already qualified for the uh, Bluegrass – I mean, for the uh, Kentucky Oaks. She's got like 320 points, and the next closest horse has 100. So she decided she'll go over and uh, run with the boys and see if she can also qualify for the Kentucky uh, Derby and do something no other female horse has ever done, and that's win the Bluegrass Stakes. But before we get to her, we'll talk a little bit about the, the other horses who get to play in her absence in race number seven at, um, at Keeneland. So the first horse on my radar, quite literally, is Venetian Harbor. And as we talked about before, I, I keep track of horses that run these races that are above where they they put in a time Say they're running in a maiden race like Venetian Harbor did, and their final time is on par with like stakes race winners. And that's exactly what happened in her second race in her first try on dirt. She came out and won at Santa Anita by 10. And in, in a final time that was on the level with stakes winners at Santa Anita. So it's no surprise that she's actually won stakes races and uh, is going to be uh, the, probably the favorite to win the Ashland Stakes and get 100 points and move her into the Kentucky Oaks. The only horse she's ever lost to on dirt is Swiss Skydiver, but she was the favorite. You know, horse players had her pegged to beat Swiss Skydiver in the grade three fantasy at Oaklawn Park. And uh, I think she'll bounce back uh, as Richard Baltus does. He wins at almost 30% the next time out with beaten favorites. She's probably going to be up on the lead as one of the few, if not the only, um, what I would call consistent or traditional front runners. So she should get to the lead. Hopefully for her, she'll be able to run some uh, some fractions that are comfortable, not be overly pressed, and get back to her winning ways. And she might not offer a lot of value at six to five, but I think she's you know she she can run a big race. She's proven that before. And, you know, losing a Swiss skydiver is, is nothing to be ashamed of. A lot of horses have. In fact, most of them have. That have squared up against her. Uh, the next pick I have, it seems to be overlooked to me. Uh, and I don't know why. So maybe I'm missing something. But um, the odds maker has tonalist shape number five, six to one, as the second longest out of five, uh, out of six horses in the field. Now, if you look at her line, she's run seven times, won six of them. That doesn't look like a six-to-one horse to me. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Um, I, I, I would say lower than lower than uh, six-to-one. 
you know, I look at some of the competitors in here uh, in the field. And for example, Speech, who we have as our fourth pick, um, she's two to one. And if you look at her line, she's finished fourth, um, second, four straight races in a row. She's only won once, breaking her maiden at a, at a, uh, in, a in a maiden $40,000 race um, at, I think Los Alamitos is there um, when they run, uh, when they run um, non quarter horse races there. And, you know, Los Alamitos is not the same level as Santa Anita or Churchill or Gulfstream or Belmont. So, you know, I, or Keeneland for that matter. So, I, you know, I like to see horses that break their maiden at, at quality tracks. It's kind of like when your team is drafting in the NFL. You know, I, I, I'm for me, I'd much rather, much rather have a kid who was highly recruited out of high school, performed well at Alabama and, you know, in the SEC in the highest level of competition, Division One. Than some guy who dominated in the Division Two or Division Three level, non BS BCS school, and you just don't know how that's going to carry over into the NFL. I mean, you can get a home run, but a lot of those guys strike out too. Well, you know, I've done typically pretty well in the NFL, betting against uh, you know, I guess teams that are, have uh, somebody named Mike McCarthy in charge that are overrated. I've been, <laughs> I, I do really well. Well, yeah, well, he was overrated in uh, in Green Bay. He, <laughs> he's going to live up to his potential now uh, in Dallas with Dak Prescott getting paid more than uh, wanting to get paid more than Mahomes. Yeah, that contract. Uh, so, but the trainer for speech is Michael McCarthy. Yeah, Michael McCarthy. Yes, I yes, see that. So, so there we go. I like it. It all comes together. So it all comes together. Speech you is going to shit the bed, just like the you, Green Bay you in the playoffs. Me across the line there, because I had no idea where you. That's were where I was going with it. The, the trainer for speech is Mike McCarthy. All right. So now I get it. So wake up. So anyway, so when you look at that now, to to, to speech's credit, you know, three of her losses were to really really good horses. Swiss Skydiver, like I said, it's no no. Um, no big deal to lose to her. Gamine, who looks like a really strong horse, and Donna Veloce, all of those horses are going to be running in the Kentucky Oaks. But none of them were really close. The one against Gamine was pretty close, but the rest of them, including a, a few races back where she didn't run against one of those top quality horses, it just seems like you know she's one of those horses that you know is good for 10 points a night, 15 points a night. But you never get like that superstar outburst where they put 50 points on the board. You know what I mean? So whereas tonalist shape, you know, has that seems to have that kind of spark where you're going to get something special out of her sometimes. And and I think, you know, she's going to be right off the, you know, probably right off the heels of some of the front runners and then try to close that race out. So she'll be maybe second or third right behind uh venetian harbor and if she's got that strong late kick like she's shown in most of her races because when she's won they haven't really been close she's kind of pulled away from the pack and all of them but one of her wins so you know she seems to have uh, some strong strides late at six to one and i think she's uh she's she's overpriced or underpriced whichever way you want to look at it Another horse uh, that I like, because I think there's basically one of these four horses will win, is number three, Bonnie South. This horse has improved. She run four times. Every single race, she's gotten better. So if she continues up the ladder, 
I would suspect that, you know, she can put in the type of effort where she can shock at five to one. Not really shock. I mean, it's not five to one's not that big of a, uh, you know, that high of a line, but she is the fourth tied for the fourth favorite or in middle of the pack in terms of what the odds maker sees. And she ran a race last time out where her fractions weren't as sharp as I'd like for them to have been. But I still look at, she's run a mile in the 16th twice. She's run them both running away late from the pack. So I would expect that, you know, she'll probably out of the six horses, she'll probably be fifth, maybe sixth after the gates open, but steadily advanced and, you know, and, and definitely pass some tired legs late. So I think Venetian Harbor probably has a shot to take him from gate to wire with tonal shape right off her hip, perhaps the whole way around the track with uh, Bonnie South probably, um, you know, closing hard at the end, maybe bypassing speech and uh, some of the others as they close in on the wire. Well, that just, yeah, but if that's exactly what happens, speech will be just like the Green Bay Packers season when Mike McCarthy was there. Front running and then when it counts, <laughs> well, I guess unless they're playing against the Cowboys and then some guy will make some incredible catch along the sidelines that you have to freeze frame it and it blow it up, you know, a thousand times so that you can see that there's one speck of AstroTurf between his foot and the sidelines. That's exactly how sports was intended to be, Rich. It's exactly how. Exactly. That's how they should always be. You know, you should always interrupt the game with some, just some baloney uh, forever taking replay where the announcers go back and forth. And it's kind of like one of those political talk shows where they, 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 they take positions, you know, in the pregame talk. Okay, on on all the replays, I'm going to be against them, and you're going to be for them, and we're going to fight as to why. <laughs> Careful, Rich. You're implying those political talk shows that are not being uh, totally uh, genuine. I'm sure they are. I'm sure that everything in life is totally genuine, especially on TV. It's, if it's on TV, you know it's real. It's true. Fact. Unlike podcasts, you can trust everything on a podcast. Especially when Rich and Archer are at the ho- your home. We have nothing in mind but your best interest. That's why we're talking about gambling. That's true. We just want to get paid. And the way I look at it is like this. People are going to gamble, right? And if you have a talent at it, which you do and you know, I'm working on, um, and you can help people turn more losing bets into winning bets – you're actually providing a service, right? Yeah, it's just, it's us against them. It's us against the casino, man. Yeah. Well, well in your right, case, it's it's you versus every damn person that comes through the turnstile. Right. You know, and, and I and I have this alpha male being bigger, badder, and stronger. So step to me, and I'm going to knock you out. Maybe at maybe at you know 22 or 20 at 24, but not at 54. Not anymore. But I'm still going to do that MMA fight before I go. Maybe, you know, maybe what I'll do is, you know, if I go take out an insurance policy. Yeah, living will, Rich. Make sure you get that filled out before, you, you know. <laughs> so I'm going to do like the $10, $10 million life insurance policy and then go fight. Hey, kids, I might not see you again, but if I don't, look at it as a W because I'm going to win $10, 10 million. Rich's son and daughter, I'm out here. I'm up here telling him not to do it. Don't, don't do well, it. They know me. I'm crazy, my kids. They don't, they laugh at me. All right, so we got the horses. How are we going to bet this? So how are we going to bet that? Well, I'm going to put, I think Venetian Harbor is the class of the race. So I'm just going to put her on top. Nobody else, and, just Venetian Harbor? Yeah, I'm going to put her on top and then um, put behind her the 
the Bonnie, uh, Tonalist, the five, Bonnie South, the three, and six speech. And then maybe flip it around in the exact to put those three on top of Venetian Harper just in case she finishes second. But I can see her running a race very similar to what Vacoma ran last time out. I think she is one of those horses that has a shot to win, you know, big time races uh, and reverse the the loss against Swiss Skydiver and the Kentucky Oaks and perhaps, you know, collect that fat check uh, in the uh, first first weekend of September. Uh, and then for the trifecta, maybe I'll put the two and five on top of the two, five, uh, three and six. I don't really know that the four or the one has a maybe the four in the back end of the trifecta, but you know to keep the tickets size small. Yeah, so that, that's the way. I don't think the one's got a chance. So it probably wires the field and collects that twenty to one. But so yeah, that's how I would be betting it. And maybe too, like if you want to do a pick three, uh, you can maybe uh, isolate or single up Venetian Harbor, uh, but with tonalist shape, winning six of seven starts. You know, at six to one, being the second longest shot on the board, you know, all the money's you can't go everywhere. So maybe uh, she becomes an overlay, and the odds actually go up a little bit. I doubt it. I think they'll probably come down a little bit. But if uh, you know, if the odds were to go up, and you get a Venetian Harbor, who's probably going to be even money or less, doesn't win, that'll just really boost up your pick three. So I would put the two and five uh, on a pick three at the on the ticket as my winners in race number seven. And then uh, in race number eight, I think you've got three horses. That's the uh, Jenny Wiley stakes. I have no idea who she is. I suppose I could Wikipedia it, but it's not that interesting to me. Sorry, Jenny. Sorry, Jenny. Jenny, what's your number? 8675309? I'm really dating myself. She was a legendary pioneer woman. Was she? That's what it says here. She was taken captive by Native Americans in 1789. Wow. I did not know. Now I know. So now we learned two things. One, you could drink whiskey during Prohibition, and Jenny Wiley was taken hostage by Native Americans. And now she has a race named after, and she probably doesn't even know. I got nowhere to take that. And neither do I. Sorry, Jenny. You had a <laughs> shitty life, and we were making light of it. All right, moving on. Well, I think probably most people back then relative to today had a shitty life, right? Unless you're like the king or something no rich everyone's miserable now this is the worst time in human history well it is if you watch that all too too tree to uh real life tv right we've talked about that before i'm convinced tv is why everybody's on some type of uh you know prozac or zantac or whatever to make their moods better you think it's just tv yeah i think a lot of it's just tv man because it, i think you know if if, if if propaganda didn't work, we wouldn't see commercials. Oh, that's true. So I think when you when you turn on the TV and you know, if it bleeds, it leads. If you're just constantly pounded by negativity, be it entertainment, right? Be it n the news, you know, be it Sports Center. <laughs> you know, our escape routes have all been shut off. So yeah, I do think that unfortunately, uh, media does have play a big, big, big role in why so many people are upset. I mean, think about it. We, we, you know, prior to COVID, we were in one of the most prosperous times in our country's history. Yet 50% of the population's pissed off. Well, we, know which, we know which 50% of them. We know, we know. We know which side was more pissed off than the other. 
Well, I'm just saying, I mean, half the country, whether you're, you know, one way or the other, it seems to be pretty angry. So I, you're fat, right? Obesity is a problem. So you're fat. So eating is not an issue. You have housing, you have money, you have, I don't know if they have relationships. I can't speak for them, but maybe if their hair wasn't blue and pink, they would do a little better in that regard. But and I wasn't talking left, right, politically wise. I was just saying, you know, it's just, it's women that are in the bad mood. I'll just say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, whoever it is in a bad mood, it's I'm women. Saying, I don't understand why they're in a bad mood. I've, you know, you're, you're fat, you have money, you got a place to stay and things are pretty good. So why are you so mad? Why are you mad, bro? We actually have a supposedly 7% women that listen to this podcast. I'm trying to drive that down to like one to zero. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my to goal. Negative to where they tell their uh, male counterparts. If you listen to that, mm, the couch is going to look mighty comfortable to you tonight. My uh, sex robot rant is what got me in trouble, Rich, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Well, you know, they use them in Korea to fill in the stands. I don't know if you saw that article or not. Yeah, that, I mean, I would, you know, that could make a fun time in the stands if you're sitting next to a sex robot. The game's yeah. boring. You can just, did you read about that in the baseball game where I they put the sex dolls yeah, in I saw the stands? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> as fans? That's pretty hilarious. I suggested the White Sox and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays think about that just to make the stands look full on TV. Yeah, they should do something. For sure. But then, you know, it'd be the ones that are there. Are so off-putting. Maybe you should just not let any White Sox fans into the stadium, period. Yeah, and just put the dolls in there. There it is, yeah. yeah. We all see what White Sox fans look like. You know what that side of Chicago looks like. Ah, nah, White Sox fans are cool, man. There are, there are a lot of them are you know just blue-collar folks. Just, the, I'm just and, and the Cubs fans are the yuppie drunks. Yes. That's, I'm, you know, I'm a Royals fan, so I'm going to talk shit on the White Sox as much as I can. You should talk shit on the White Sox because there's really nothing else for a Royals fan to do. Well, you know, except you, you know. can't hope that they win. Let's, uh, you want to well, you want to count franchise you if you want to count franchise World Series between the Cubs and the Royals, we can. Yeah, you probably win that bet. But we're really getting sidetracked today. An the awful Cubs lot. are the lovable losers. But uh, yeah. So anyway, speaking of females, let's go back to the Jenny Wiley. States. Hopefully, these horses are in a better mood than the average American woman. Well, I mean, if 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 they bet this race according to our picks, they might be in a real good mood afterwards. Or be more angry at men than they were before. So, um, so in this particular race, uh, I think you have three horses that are likely to win, and then maybe a couple of uh, value plays or even like a long shot that could could upset. So, um, number six, Jolie Olympiaca, Olympica, BRZ. Where's it? What's that? What's what? Jolie's from BRZ, Brazil. Brazil. Okay, duh, duh. Yeah, I mean, you just need an A in his in an I. You know, it's kind of like the uh, old um, Terry Bradshaw joke from Hollywood Henderson that uh, you know I'll spot you the C and the T and see if you can spell cat. Yeah, I'm always fourth place on Wheel of Fortune, so especially three people. Right? Shut up, Rich. <laughs> so anyway, she's uh, the six horse uh, Jolie is, and uh, she's. Um, she came over here from Brazil, as you noted, where she won her first three races. And then she came here and, and won the first race in the U.S., a grade three race at Santa Anita. Followed that up with a second place finish um, at a grade two at Santa Anita at a mile. So this race is at a mile on the 16th. Uh, she won a race at a mile in Brazil by six lengths. And she got beaten as the favorite last time out. Yeah, I mean, two times back, but came back and run a really strong race last time. 
Uh, I would suspect that this is a horse at five to two. She's the second favorite behind number four, uh, Rushing Fall, who who ran the highest last race speed figure, but by only by two points higher than than uh, Jolie Olympica did. So I think if you look at the two horses, there's really not much separating the top two, at, to, at least according to odds makers. So if I can't really, you know, if I have to flip a coin to pick them, my coin's going to be the their odds. So at five to two, I would rather have that than six to five. So I think, you know, those two horses are likely to produce the winner. And if that's the case, I might as well take the horse with the higher odds. Uh, I, I suspect that she's going to be close to, you know, she, 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 she won't need to lead to win. Um, so she can kind of come off the pace and, or at least kind of mid packet and win. Whereas, you know, looking at, um, looking, looking at rushing fall, you know, this is a horse that tends to need to lead the race to win. So if something doesn't go right from the break and he's, she's got a rush, she hasn't really shown the ability to at least recently not be on the lead and not score. So if there's a mistake, you know, she could have a harder time overcoming it than Jolie could. So, but I, I do think those two horses are the class of the field at Keeneland Russian falls run five times, four wins, lifetime, nine wins and 12 races. So, I mean, there's nothing there that you can, overlook so you can't really say oh fader because of a b or c it's tough to fade a horse that's run nine of 12 um it's also tough to, to fade a horse that's run five you know, one five of six so i think your winner's likely to come from there uh if anyone's gonna get to him uh eight horse as i said the third horse i think is almost at the same level in toinette this is a horse that's uh raced at keeneland once one has raced um, 12 times in her, in her life, won eight of them, has run at the distance twice, won, won both of them. So this is a horse who's making her second start off the break. Last time out, she took a huge step forward in her second start following a layoff, a similar step forward and you know a performance like she's capable of. And a five to one with Flavian uh, Pratt, who's a really good jockey on board. I think you have a, a horse that could get into that mix for the W and find her way to the front line and give us a little bit of value. So you're talking about our pick three, in this case, I would use the four, six, and eight, pairing them up with the first two horses in race number one, Venetian Harbor and Tonal of Shape. And then for betting purposes, um, Juliet Foxtrot, the two horse, uh, at least on this particular race, that horse finished sixth last time out. And was the favorite, but she hadn't run since December, so she probably needed a tune-up race. And Brad Cox, who we've talked about many times before, he does win at a high level, twenty-seven uh, percent on second uh, second starts off the bench. Got a win in a in a place, two runs at Keeneland, which is kind of a you know from watching races there. Keeneland sometimes is one of those races race courses where I like to see horses that have some history there because I've seen a lot of good horses go there and just kind of you know stink it up so is there a logistical reason to go is, is the track different than a standard track or is it i i don't know really what it is maybe because keeneland just attracts a lot of quality horses because it's a, a a lot of good high quality races so they're squaring up against good horses and maybe it's a deep track so it doesn't necessarily um favor one kind of running style or the other 
and and maybe it's just the best horse wins. So, and, and maybe some horses that run really well on a fast, hard surface don't do so well there. I don't know. I, I don't really know why that is, but I've seen a lot of long shots come in there. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of in Churchill's like that too. So maybe it's just a Kentucky thing. Maybe they feed them bourbon and whiskey down there, the horses <laughs> and they're a little stumbling around instead of running. I, I'm not sure. But Juliet Foxtrot does offer, I think, some value at eight to one. And, uh, you know, she lost as the favorite last time out. And Brad Cox, as we said, he wins second starts at 27 percent and it follows up uh, with beating favorites next time out and wins at 30 percent. So those are two really high angles. So if there's a if there's a, a more value priced horse that can get to the tape is one. And for a long shot, I like the three in here. La Signare. Run twice at Keeneland, a second and a third, but they both could have been wins because she missed by one, I think, by uh, a half a length, and she fin- so she finished second by a half a length uh, behind Toinette, which is one of our uh, the eight horse, which is you know, one we think has a shot to be one of the three to win, and she finished by a third by a neck in the other Keeneland effort. So she seems to like the track. Uh, she's done very well there. And at 30 to one morning line, she's coming off one of her better races where she finished second by a head. Uh, and she improves in her second race, which is something she did the last time, the last, uh, she either ran at the same level or improved the last time she was in a two race cycle. So any step forward, she's done well at Keeneland 30 to one. Maybe she can, you know, hit the board third or maybe get second and really make for a nice, uh, exact or try that would be that would be very nice very very nice mm-hmm. so in terms of betting you know i i think i would go with like an exacta with the either the four the six or eight winning with the two three four six or eight finishing second and then for a trifecta you might try to go six four eight over um the two three four six eight over to six four eight because one of the three horses has to finish third right and then uh, in, in doing that, you might get lucky and catch the, the right order on the trifecta and hit for a nice ticket. I like it. I, I don't like the phrase get lucky because in sports betting, because you, you never do. But, you know. Well, in horse racing, there's a lot that goes on. Well, in any kind of betting. But sometimes, you know, I, I, if the right order comes in, you know, I think there's some degree of luck to it. Skill, to get skill. The right order. Well, there's skill in picking. I, I have found from handicapping. Handicapping is the easy part. It really is. The harder part is trying to piece together how they're what order they're going to finish in. Oh yeah, yeah. That's really the harder part. Yeah, the crafting your tickets. So, uh, a friend of mine, a long, long time ago, whose father I think we spoke about him before, was a professional blackjack player. And he told me that when you gamble, you should always try to position yourself in the way that when you hit, you get the maximum payout. Because when the odds are right for you, uh, you know, when you hit that one in a thousand chance on the slot machine, you don't want $12.50 because you're betting dimes instead of betting dollars. Yeah, so that's something I've kept in mind my entire life. So now we're going to move to the headliner of the day. And that is the Bluegrass Stakes, which is race number nine. And this is a Kentucky Derby qualifying race where the winner gets 100 points, 40 for second, 20 for third, 10 for fourth. 
and the first two place horses, uh, the winner and the second place horse, are pretty much a lock to have an invitation to run for the Roses on the first Saturday of September. As um, since they moved to the point system in 2013, I think 38 points is the most that a horse had that didn't qualify. So anything over 38 um, has made a you know has gotten their ticket punched, and in a lot of years it's been a lot lower than that. So early on, we talked about Swiss Skydiver, female horse. She's going to try to do something that no other horse has done, and that's win the Bluegrass Stakes, which I think dates back to uh, 1911. So in 109 years, it's not been done. But, you know, it's not surprising because she's the only second horse to try, at least only second female horse to try, from what I've gathered online. Uh, well, know, she's I, looking good. Looking the Anything online, of course, much like TV, is true, too. <laughs> Probably more so. Right. Even more so. Yeah. Yes. Especially on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Twitter is the end all be all. Yeah. I can't stand Twitter. Oh, I hate Twitter too. You go on there for, you know, the thing that amazes me about Twitter is that, you know, you hear them on TV talk about it's trending. Things are blowing up on Twitter. And then you look and you see like it's got 14,000 retweets or whatever. And I think to myself, 14,000 out of a country of 330 million, and this is passes for the national you know, opinion on things? Uh, yeah, no. It really proves Richard Nixon's silent majority. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I just think that, you know, you just, if you take a, they're like wolves if you take a position that, that you know, they, that some, that the pack doesn't agree with. And so few people come to, you know, to defense of the folks who take a position that the mob doesn't agree with. So I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of stay off of there. I don't want to get canceled because it's, you know, I'll probably say things that 95% of the time people agree with. And then the 5% of the time I, you know, go offline like Norm Chomsky just did. Did you see that? You know, these lifelong folks for the cause go out and say, hey, I don't think we should have this cancel culture. And they, they sign some documents and then the cancel culture wants to cancel them. Chomsky was one of them? One of them, is, which Jeez. is almost hard to believe. I mean, that's how, that's, that, I don't know, I guess it's the litmus test nowadays. I don't know. Yeah. Are you, are you uh, more extreme than Noam Chomsky? Yeah. Okay. Who, who isn't? But anyway, that's the world we live in. Yeah. You I'm know, looking at Swiss Skydiver. She's the, is she the three to one? Is that the best one? Yeah. She's the morning line favorite. Um, but I, I'm not so convinced she's going to win. I do think she'll factor. I don't like the sexist talk, Rich. Well, no, I, I don't think she's going to win because not because she's not capable, because I think in her, is it wide open race? One reason why. And I think at her best, She's definitely um, capable of winning this race and probably in an easy fashion. But it's always a but, right? Her last race, her fractions kind of dipped a little bit, which is uh, um, a little bit worrisome to me. And it may be because the field wasn't all that strong. There was only four horses in the field. So she got to the lead and didn't really need to, to try to win. Uh, she got the lead, kept the lead, pulled away. So a four-horse field, you got a 25% chance to win no matter what. If you're the best horse, you probably have a 100% chance to win. And she went off at three to five odds. So, I mean, obviously the players that were out on that race saw her for what she was, the class of the field where she beat speech by four, a horse that we talked about a little bit earlier. But this is going to be the sixth race where she's run without a break. 
which tends to be, um, you know, the, the, you don't see a lot of the good horses run that many without a break. They usually run two, three, maybe sometimes four. You know, there's a target race that the trainer has in mind. That's probably the, the last race in the cycle before they head to the bench, back into the barn for some hay and some rest. So the last race, the numbers kind of slipped a little bit. She's long in the cycle. Um, so she might be tired. It might be in the need for a rest because when I look at some of the workouts, you know, they're not, you know, compared to some previous workouts that you see prior to uh, runs, they're not as sharp as they normally are. I mean, they're still better than most, but it's not to the level, not to her level. Doesn't mean she doesn't win. I have her as my second pick, but. Well, um, Mc Kenneth McPeak, I, we've never talked about this trainer. Any good? Kenneth McPeak, uh, you know, I, I'm, it's okay. I'm, nothing that really stands out in terms of like uh, some of the brand name trainers. It's more of a like a Midwest type, you know, Kentucky area trainer. So not a bad trainer, um, but just not really name brand trainer. So he may not be unaccustomed to having a superstar horse like this. Well, he, definitely a superstar horse. I, come Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks days, you know, he'll be the person that they're interviewing before the Kentucky Oaks because Swiss, Swiss Skydiver will most likely be the favorite, barring like injury or something that keeps her out of the race. But he, but he but might he, not be accustomed to training a superstar play. horse. Yeah, no, he's definitely, you know, accustomed to training the horse. But if you look like at his winning number, 16% for the year, that's kind of, you know, middle of the pack. He doesn't, you know, graded stakes winners, 12% winners. It's not really a high number. Even when his horses win the previous race, they only follow up with another win at 13%. So that's, it's a sign of a trainer who doesn't really get the best horses. So this probably might, this might well be the best horse he's ever had. But he's seeing the same numbers you are. I mean, wouldn't it be better just to let her rest? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, it's a long time before the Kentucky Derby or the Kentucky Oaks. And so, I, you know, I read online that he saw that the 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 Bluegrass Stakes was kind of a wide open race because I, I don't think that any of the true Kentucky Derby contenders are going to be in this race. So he probably looked at it and thought, well, you know, I can do something nobody's ever done, win the Bluegrass Stakes with a female horse, and then doing so collect 100 points for the Kentucky Derby, which would qualify Swiss skydiver for both the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks and, um, you know, uh, allow for great chatter and probably really up the fee, uh, to breed with her when she's done racing. you know, as a, as a dual qualifier, I don't think even if she wins, she's going to run in the Kentucky Derby because I don't suspect that she'll be able to match up against the Tis the law or honor AP or authentic or some of the top level Kentucky Derby boys. Uh, especially since she's going to be the favorite to to win the Kentucky Oaks and probably will do so and, you know, collect a really big check and then ride off into the sunset for retirement to, to, to breed some champion horses going forward. And, you know, there's a lot of money in that, man. And, you know, there's no, no, no risk yeah. of breaking their legs or anything like that and being put to sleep. So I would, uh, you know, I, I would seriously entertain that too if I had a superstar horse. Yeah, I'm just wondering what his, where his head's at. I think he's, you know, looking at making history a, a field where the, you know, the, 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 you don't have the strongest group of young male horses in here. So it's a race he probably thinks he can win. And, you know, I, I think he can win too if she's not tired. 
Um, but your data shows that she's, you're thinking she's tired. I'm looking at it and thinking to myself, she could be tiring. It's, you know, sixth race in a six race cycle. Last race, the fractions were a little bit shorter. Um, the speed number dipped pretty, uh, pretty noticeably. Uh, so these are some things that I look at and say to myself, okay, you know, maybe she's just cycling down a little bit. And as a result, um, uh, as a result, she could be tired and she can run into some fresh young legs that haven't raced as much. And the boys tend to be stronger than the girls in horse racing. So if she's running into some, some, some male horses that are peaking, that are fresher, that run a, you know, have, have a, uh, similar quality, uh, running in terms of performance or quality, then she could, uh, you know, run into some horses. She can't okay. beat. Okay. Well, good. well who's, who's going to beat her? Well, I have number 10 as my pick Rushy to win. And he tied for the highest last race speed figure in a Santa Anita Derby third place finish. So you're saying, okay, Rich, horse just won its race, and you're saying it might be tired, and you're coming at me with a third place horse. Which, you know, I couldn't blame you for that. I agree. I'm, you know, maybe early onset CTE. You're taking the words but, out of my mouth. So anyway, he, um, the, he finished behind Honor, AP, and Authentic. Those two horses are the second and third favorites as, a, uh, as of the l- most recent Kentucky Derby future uh, odds pool to win the Derby. So these are – he lost to probably two of the top three male horses, three-year-old horses in the country. Again, that's nothing to, to, you know, to, to cry about. No, no, no. And he gained ground late on both of them. So – I, he's going to be making his third start off the break, so he should be uh, could have room to improve in this particular race and move forward. And when you look at some of the horses that he lost to prior to that, he lost to Charlatan, who I don't think has lost a race yet. And then in his first race, he lost a thousand words. Who early on, uh, as a two-year-old, uh, was probably the horse most people thought was going to win the or at least a lot of people thought would be the favorite to win the Kentucky Derby. Hasn't really shown that in his three-year-old campaign, thousand words, but in, in, in his two-year-old campaign, he was one of the best horses in the country. So outside of losing to some of the best male horses in the country, um, Rushy has finished either first or second. Well, okay. I like that. In his debut, he kind of crapped the bed, but and when he came back as a three-year-old, he's a much better horse. But I, I'm looking at him as a horse that could take that step forward. Um, and, you know, like I said, he's only lost to really, really top tier stuff since turning three years old. And, you know, now that he's not facing anything like a charlatan, anything like an honor AP, anything like an authentic, you know, there's no excuse for him not to find his way into the winner's circle. May not, but you may, you know, lose out to Swiss Skydiver and, and lose history. But I think a, a lot of the things are lining up for him. He's getting a field that he's not really squaring up against, uh, you know, the type of horses that he's run against in the past. My third pick is Art Collector. And this is a horse that's uh, the other one that tied for the top race uh uh, speed figure last time out he improved a little bit from race number one to race number two he won his last one out by six and a half lengths but again a short field only four horses so you get the lead on some of those horses they become discouraged Eh, they may not really try to put in an effort to get you the race before that he won a churchill the bigger field 11 
one by one and a half, made a real nice late move, you know, power move in the stretch. We talked about those in the past, how I like those. And he's making his third start off the break. Uh, his trainer, Thomas Drury Jr., that's probably one of his best angles, is winning uh, the third after a layoff at 24%. And he follows a win with a win. He goes back-to-back W 23% of the time with his horses. So that's a pretty good number. We matched up with the jockey, Brian Hernandez. The duo wins at about 30, 36% over the last uh, couple of months. So the horse looks sharp right now. The only thing that I'm a little bit hesitant about is that he stretched out from seven furlongs to a mile and a 16th last time out, and his fractions weren't as sharp as I would have liked them to be. I would like them to you know, more closely mirror the seven furlong effort. But again, it was a four-horse uh, four field. He got an easy lead and might not have really had to try, you know, or at least put his best effort in. So he, that is a positive, I guess, in some ways because he's a little bit fresher than he might have been if he had to really work to get the win. So those are our top three picks. I do think that the winner is going to come from those three. And, and afterwards, we have a couple of uh, number 12 enforceable. Now, this is a horse that has raced on a fast surface, um, I think, six times and has two wins, a second and two thirds. The last time out in the Louisiana Derby was the only time he did not finish in the money. He, he finished fifth behind Wells Bayou. If you remember, that was a race that we had covered here where Wells Bayou won. But he got off to a slow start. Stepped slow, never really got in the mix and had to really work hard to make up lost ground. And that can be difficult for a horse. So uh, if he gets off to a clean start, which kind of looks like the trainer, Mark Cass, who's a good, good young um, up-and-coming trainer, I think. I don't know how young he is, but he's definitely one that seems to be on the rise. Uh, he's younger than us, looks, right? Looks, go ahead. He's younger than we are. Oh, that's good. So, um, so he's definitely young and upcoming, and I think he's a name that you'll hear more about in the future. But when you look at the workouts since the last race – He's put three bullets in, so those are the fastest recorded workouts at those times for that day. So what that tells me is he's working on getting the horse out of the gate a little bit cleaner and getting off to a better start than he has because typically he's in the back of the pack. So I would not be at all surprised to see Enforceable, who's usually, you know, last race he was 11th of 14. The race before that he was 11th of 11. The race before that, he was 11 of 13. The race before that, he was 8 of 8 coming out of the gates. I suspect, and I, I mean, I could be wrong, but looking at these workouts, I suspect Enforceable is not going to be at the back of the pack uh, in the bluegrass stakes. I would, I, I, if I had to guess, like if there was a, like in, 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 in line betting for where he'll be coming at the half mile marker, instead of being near the back of the pack, I would suspect he'll be in the middle of the pack. And if he is, he does have a really good late run. So if I'm right in reading what the trainer's doing with the training sessions, at, at 10 to 1, Enforceable is a, a long shot that has a chance to, to upset and, and, and win. So keep an eye out on that if you're watching the race on NBC, if that's who's broadcasting it. And, um, and they usually are. Sometimes Fox does now, too. Fox Sports 1, they have the day at the racing, so it might be Fox Sports 1. Uh, if And that'll lead right into the – to, to the fights maybe, or, uh, or are they on ESPN? I don't know. I don't watch much TV cause I'm always there, you know, trying to put in the cost to be the boss. Right. <laughs> Chris has got one more thing for you to work on. 
right? Boxing, fighting, everything else. So I think at 10 to one, if you're watching on TV and you see the horse um, break sharply, don't be surprised if it, if it pulls off the W. And then rounding out our picks, I have number one, Chivalry. The post has not won uh, at this distance at Keeneland so far, but the horse is always around the mix, just doesn't seem to have the that little extra piece of you know, what it takes to get over the hump. But she's finished. He's finished in the money. Eight out of ten on a fast turf on a fast surface. Despite the speed numbers fit, but it'll probably be up near the lead during the beginning part of the beginning part of the race. If they get the right kind of fractions, uh, he'll be able to hold in and get a piece maybe of a second or third. But he does tend to fade late. So some of the other horses that have some speed uh, that'll be in front of him maybe uh, might discourage him, and, and it really will be pace dependent for Chivalry. And number five, man in the can. That's uh, he's he's won four of his five starts, including the last two at a longer distance. But this is really going to be the first time that he steps up into this kind of class field. So the question is, can he take that um, that performance level, that consistency of winning uh, against some better horses? His speed figures say it's possible, but he'll definitely need to be better than he's been so far to get the job done. So from a betting standpoint, I, I really like the first three horses. So I might do a, a, um, a trifecta. I mean, uh, a, a, the, um, the exacta where I put the three, the seven and the 10 um, with the three, seven, 10 and 12, or maybe box the four and, you know, maybe enforceable. I, I'm right. And it's training well and, you know, takes this race. Um, which is very possible, I think. Uh, and that way you'll get a bigger price if enforceable, the longer shot wins. And from a trifecta standpoint, I would put in um, 3, 7, 10 with 3, 7, 10, and 12. And then if you want to put man in the can or chivalry as a fifth play on the, you know, the third place finish, you can do that. Otherwise, I'd be happy with the top four. And from the pick three perspective, you know, you can go with the three, the seven, and the ten, but if you want the biggest possible payout, I would also include the twelve. So you would have in, in the first leg, we would have um, two horses in Venetian Harbor and Tonalist Shape. In the second leg, you would have um, three horses potentially: the six, the four, and the eight. The four, six, and eight. You might. If you want to um, reduce that to the four and the six, because those two horses look like they're cut above the rest, but Toynette gives you, I think, some pretty nice odds. Um, and if she were to win, it would definitely bump up your ticket. And then you can have the three, the seven, and ten to close it out. If you want to put a little bit more, um, give a little bit of chance to get a bigger ticket, add in enforceable. An hour. We're in an yeah, hour. Yeah, that's now. a long one, brother. I'm got a dry, dry mouth now, man. I kept sidetracking you. That's my fault. You don't have to sidetrack me, my man. I, I sidetrack myself all the time. Like, you know, people talk to themselves. I'll start talking to myself and forget what I was talking to myself about. Oh, man. Normally I ask you about other stuff, but I think we touched on pretty much everything. Stock market? Any any quick quick hitters? You yeah, can... you know, the stock market kind of shocked me last week. I was a little worried. This week it responded and uh, earnings are going to come out next week. I think that's going to be the big key. So far, it's been good for the S&P 500. Most have done better than very low bar expectations because of the COVID close down. So starting next week, the floodgates will open for a lot of banking companies and the like. And, you know, you'll start to see what people think is going to happen with earnings. 
and um, so uh, what happened in the second quarter won't be that important. What what they see going in the in the third and fourth quarter will be most important. Uh, on the negative front, American Airlines, I think it was American Airlines, said that they might have to lay off up to sixty thousand people. So that would be a big negative. Um, but you know, airlines are in a little bit different space, I think, than a lot of other businesses because people are cramped in. They may not be that interested in sharing seats with somebody who has COVID or may not have COVID. We're all going to be suspicious that the person next to us has it. And, uh, you know, and, and we'll wear our masks to remind one another that, yes, some of you out there are, are COVID positive and, you know, and asymptomatic and and I mean, it's not a joking matter, but certainly I think that that fear um, of catching COVID is going to be definitely a, a drag on the airlines and stuff like that. But otherwise, I, I suspect you're seeing retail numbers that are much stronger than expected. You're seeing some nice rebound in manufacturing. So it'll be a mixed picture, but I think overall it'll be a positive picture with the economy opening. And then it's off to the election. So you're going to have second quarter earnings season, third quarter um, forward guidance, and right in the heart of, uh, you know, the right at the end, of, as the third quarter comes to the close, we're going to have the election. So I think the election will move front and center after this earnings season is over. And, you know, like Trump, hate Trump, indifferent towards Trump, a lot of times the stock market is somewhat tied to the poll numbers of the, of the uh, incumbent because Wall Street knows what to expect from Trump and um, they don't really know what to expect from Biden. And, and I'd say Biden at times doesn't know what to expect from himself. Better the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. Right. You know, I, I, I'm a little concerned about my man, Joe Biden. I think that uh, it's pretty clear. He has a little bit of a cognitive um, decline and I, it's something I'm familiar with in my family because my grandmother had Alzheimer's and dementia and I had to watch over her. And something I've noticed, and you know, I could be wrong on this, but I notice a lot of times when he's talking, if you pay attention, he dabs at the side of his mouth. That's something my grandmother used to do a lot too when she started taking like the dementia and Alzheimer's medicine. I'm not saying he has it. I'm not a doctor, um, but uh, it is something I noticed with my grandmother. It's something I noticed with him, and and, and a lot of times he does to seem to get lost in place. So, um, you know, I. I and it's not a knock that happens to a lot of older folks, but it's, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, perhaps his cognitive level is dropping a little bit. I could be wrong. I probably am wrong. I didn't sleep at a holiday Inn last night, but I just see some things in him that I saw in my grandmother. And I, you know, I was watching some of the democratic debates too. And I, I would see sometimes, and you see when, when you, when you see him speak, sometimes you can just see he, there's a certain look that my grandmother would get in her eyes. And I see it in his eyes sometimes. So I think who he picks as a running mate is going to be very important. Hugely yeah. important because, you know, if the market price is in that he might win, and, I, and I've seen some stocks indicating that the market thinks he's going to win, for example, green stocks, because like, he's, um, he's going to be big on the green renewable economy. I'm starting to see money rotating into those type of companies. Mm which tells me that, you know, the, the money is starting to rotate into what we would call Biden stocks. Um, and you see in the betting markets, he has a pretty substantial lead along with the polls. So that's kind of what I see there. We'll have to get you on my political betting show coming down the road sometime. Yeah, yeah I'll be up for it. Yeah, I think yeah. that, uh, 
there are some things there that you can do. I have a couple of tricks up my sleeve that I used last time out where uh, I was kind of contrary and where I, uh, I thought Trump was actually going to win based upon some analysis that I did. And, and I know that, you know, that win against the almighty never get anything wrong number cruncher Nate Silver. But uh, yeah, I think since I've been a voting age, I've correctly predicted, and that was 1984, I've co- correctly predicted the winner in every single election. Well, there you go. Well, you so definitely need to get I'm better than Nate Silver. So if I say you're going to win, you can bank it. There we go. All right, man. Hour six minutes. Rich, go away. I ain't got to go home, but I got to get the hell out of here. Just like those people who uh, knock your, uh, your, your, your picks, your movie picks. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.